You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 100 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and joining me today, I have a very special guest, my podcasting mentor and absolute fantastic friend, Alison Sheridan. Hi, Alison. Hey, Bart. Thanks for letting me uh, participate in the 100th show. I believe uh, a month ago or so, I said, dibs. You you did. I was looking for a panel for 99, and I thought, ooh, Alison's coming on here. Like, no, no, I don't want to be on this one, Bart. I want to be on the next one. Okay. (laughs) So I think this is a huge accomplishment. I mean, 100 straight months of Apple news delivered without fail. That is that is a huge accomplishment. You got to be proud of that. I am. And I'm sort of shocked because I remember when I started the show, I intentionally only put two digits on my file names. (laughs) So you wouldn't overset your your expectations? Yeah, I just didn't think that you could do episode 100 of a monthly show i sort of say that's not going to happen but here we are and strangely enough the news hasn't stopped <laughs> well has uh has your vision stayed the same from when you first started to now or has it evolved over time it has evolved marginally um so the the, the core point of the vision was to have the big picture view so that to be the opposite of Ken Ray, I like to say. And I say, I say that to Ken when he's on as well. Like, it was sort of the inverse Ken, right? So Ken comes in every day and describes every tree in the forest in great detail. And I come along once a month and go, and here's what's happened to the forest as a whole. Uh, and there was no one else doing it when I started episode one. And there's no one doing it when I'm at 100. So that at least was the right idea. Yeah, you know, every time I think there isn't space for another show, there's a different angle that that comes out. And that's something I never would have thought I would uh, of anybody doing. And I thought and, and, you know, I thought when you first pitched it, I was like, really? I mean, never. There's so many news shows. What's what's really different about this? But it is very different. It, it looks back and takes a measured look at the things that on the actual day we went, oh. Oh, this is a nightmare. And then sometimes you go, yep, that was a nightmare. And sometimes you say, well, actually. Yeah. And the opposite as well, right? Where the whole world goes, this is the most amazing thing ever. Because, you know, especially in the Steve Jobs days when the reality distortion field was in full effect. But by the end of the month, the distortion field had usually worn off. And you could give sort of a more balanced view of, of what was actually said, you know. Um, But what has changed actually is because I came to this. Actually, okay, there's one other thing that hasn't changed. Um, I I want an international point of view, which I kind of get by default because, well, I'm not in America. So, hey, presto, it's international. (laughs) But I, I do think it's important to try remember that the world is bigger than America. And a lot of the podcasting sphere is very American focused. So I do my best to keep this show international. Yeah, and I I really love that. In fact, I like to try to focus on and find out about stories that are affecting not just my corner of the world. I I think that makes it a lot more interesting to me because – and I sometimes wonder about why is it so much America-centric. It just doesn't – it doesn't make sense because it really affects everybody. I mean, sure, there's a lot of the big companies are in the United States, but that doesn't make the impact any, you know, uh, less important in the other countries. I guess from the point of view of what goodies you get to play with, in America, you always get to play with everything. And I think it's easy to forget that there's lots of people who don't get to play. 
hey, you got Star Trek Discovery for free through Netflix and I had to pay for it. So I don't want to hear Fair. about that. <laughs> Fair. There are, there are the odd swinging roundabout here and there. Um, but the thing that has changed, actually, is that I came into this off the back of the International Mac podcast. It was very, very panel based, often with like six or seven people on a panel. And I assumed that was a good idea because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> but very quickly, I put a limit of five, which I then ratcheted back to four. And now I aim for three. Um, I think three is a sweet spot. I, I, I like because there's somebody who's got an opinion. But as soon as it hits four, it's sort of like when nobody, everybody's in charge, nobody's in charge. Yes, that's it. Exactly. You, you get gaps and waiting for, well, I don't want to be impolite and jump in. I wanna like I I used to not want this show to end up being a, a one-on-one conversation, but I've I've realized that's that's okay. That works fine. But I still think that uh, it's different than a three-person panel, mm-hmm. and the, there is something very pleasing about a three-person panel. Yeah, I, I still have liked your two-person. Like I, I think you had Adam Christensen on fairly recently, I and I thought that was a, that was a really good dialogue. Three can still work. Four, it starts to get a little bit a little bit pausey. You know, that's a good word. Yeah, it doesn't flow naturally, whereas um, a two a two way is always going to be quite natural and a three way can be extremely natural. But four starts to get more stilted. And yeah, forget it, about you five. have to be the ringleader and hand it to people. And then if they're not ready to talk about that thing, then that doesn't work. It just makes it harder. But I, I, I it's a it's a must listen show to me. And uh, oh, I definitely want to give a shout out to Linda Goucher for for her contributions when she's on to talk about the earnings. Um, I love the two of you going through and her teaching you that I think that's really, really fun. Well, I think it's really, really fun. My I think the thing I have learned the most about is about the financial stuff. And Linda can get all the credit for that. Um, <laughs> and it was an aspect of Apple I didn't understand. and. My understanding of the company as a whole is a lot better because I have a better grasp of the the financial stuff because it is kind of important. I mean, if Tim Cook is thinking about it, it's going to affect Apple. And I'm pretty yeah. sure he's thinking about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I saw an evolution of is when Apple TV came in, there was a tendency to talk about the TV shows. But I, you, you scaled that back or cut it out completely, yeah. I think, now because this isn't a show about television. And that's all that really is, is that's about yeah. television. It's not really about Apple anymore, uh, I think. Not uh, anymore. So no, I, you're, you're, there was a time when it was definitely Apple News, and then it became edgy, entertainment news. And I, I'm terrible at entertainment news. Don't listen to <laughs> and me. And I think that's, that's not what people tune in for, I yeah. think. And so that trying out new things and then uh, you know flowing them in and out, I think, is, I think it's been really great. But you know what? I, I told Bart I wanted this whole show to be high fives about how cool it is that he did 100 episodes. And he said, no, because I have to do the news because this is my 100th show in a row doing the news. And if I don't talk about the news, then it's not the 100th show talking about the news. Yeah, I break my streak on 100. Like, what's the point of having a great streak if you break it right when you hit the big number? So yeah, we have we have December news to talk about, even though I just realized I've named the show notes wrong. <laughs> According to the show notes, we're talking about next month. So how's your crystal ball, Alison? Well, you're also talking about next month last year. It says January 2021. Other than that, oh, apart from yeah, that, it's perfect. Yeah, great. that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I'll fix that before publishing the notes. Um, so yeah, December news. We have a lot of catching up to do, um, although it wasn't too busy. But, you know, actually, there's another thing that's changed. is uh, This idea of having long running stories we just dip into. Um, and that's actually an interesting way to watch things evolve, too. I am sorry to see the first of these back as a long running story, but 
after many months of not having COVID in my show notes at all, I didn't really think I could avoid it as I scrolled through my RSS reader. So just to give you a flavour of the headlines as they came by chronologically, you know, COVID-19 outbreak closes Apple store in Texas, followed by Apple covers up again, mask required, uh, mask requirements return in US stores. Apple closes three retail stores in the US and Canada, seven more Apple store closures. Apple closes more stores in New York City, offering curbside pickup. And then the inevitable. Apple delays employee return to office again. New date yet to be determined, which is probably the wisest thing they've done on this cursed return to work policy that's causing them so much grief. Yeah, I thought it was Microsoft who came out and announced that their back to work date was officially TBD. They were going to stop pretending they could guess when it would be. They they kept publishing new dates and finally said, no, we're done. We're not putting any new dates out. I don't know about Microsoft, but Apple have now made it official that there will be four weeks notice. It will be some time. That's the way to do it. It really is, Mm. because you just never know what's going to happen next. The other long running story, which has been ramping up for the last 25 of my 100 episodes, is the regulatory pressure Apple is coming under. And it doesn't happen quickly, right? Regulatory pressure is not something that happens overnight, but goodness me, is it ramping up all the time. So in December, which is a quiet month for these things, we had the UK's Competition and Markets Authority published a report very strongly critical of Apple and Google's duopoly, and then confounded everyone by concluding that no action should be taken. At least for now. <laughs> so did they did they sternly wag their finger though? Very. Okay. Very okay. Sternly. Well, good. Yeah. Good. That's some real teeth right there. It is. Uh, the polls have joined the long parade of countries investigating app tracking transparency. It's like, hmm. why are you? I presume it's because the ad industry have good lobbyists. But instead of investigating, you know, how the monopoly could be hurting consumers, they're investigating how giving people privacy is hurting advertisers. Okay, well, ah. you know, there there is a club, so Poland get to join the club. Meanwhile, the Dutch are definitely looking at it from the point of view of the end user, but they have this most blinkered case I've yet come across. So the Dutch Competition Authority has decided that dating apps must offer alternative payment options and they have Apple have two months to comply. So just dating apps. Huh. So I, I presume the complaint was very specific and therefore the ruling is? Okay. But it's, yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. You know, one thing I've been confused by, uh, Judge Amy Barrett, I think it was, came back and, and or I've, no. I'm going to mess this up. I shouldn't do anything off the top of my head. In the United States, there was a ruling that said that Apple did have to uh, offer alternative payment methods. And then another judge came back and said, no, we're going to we're going to allow the stay on that for Apple for now. But I thought that that all kinds of other regulatory agencies in all kinds of other countries had said, yeah, they got to offer external uh, secondary payment methods. So I thought it wouldn't even matter what what the U.S. was saying if all these other countries, like I want to say Korea was one of them, maybe Japan. Well, so, OK, so South Korea, Apple and Google are still trying to basically they're at the stage where they have to make proposals to the government for how they will comply. And OK, so that's still making its way through. Um in Japan, I think it was Japan. It was more a case of that you could mention outside payment. You could, 
you could refer to outside things and it was, I think it was limited to reader apps, which are already allowed to do outside payments like your Amazons and stuff. So a lot of it is in train or narrowly scoped. Okay. And it's Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers is the name you're thinking of. So Same thing. Right? Three barrel name, right? <laughs> three barrel name. There's a woman judge and yeah, I, well, I nailed it. It's, it's you know, a this name is why that... I don't do a news show, by the way. <laughs> Um, although Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers, she sits in the in the federal district that does California. She does a lot of the tech cases. She she has been on my right, radar a okay. lot. Um, she was also heavily involved in in some of the Apple v Samsung stuff. Right, right, God right, bless right. her. That that must have been. Did I, really did I say cool. the name of a Supreme Court justice? You did. Is that yes. what I? Okay, yes. okay. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Okay, moving on. <laughs> well, she's been in the news, and she's a judge. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so the Dutch and the Apple have two months to comply. So we'll see what happens with that. And then uh, the Indian Competition Commission are launching a probe into App Store payment systems. So at some stage, I think Apple are going to have to either do lots of different things in lots of different countries or do the only sensible thing and just change the rules globally. But uh, it hasn't quite happened yet. But I, I don't think we'll be at the end of 2022 without there being a big change here, I think. I think it's inevitable. Yeah, my guess is they will do it globally and then they'll have some clause in it where they're going to charge them 30% anyway or something. Well, that's where they're heading in South Korea. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, you can use whatever payment processor you want, but you still owe us the 30%. <laughs> which And that'll making... make it drag out longer because they technically complied. Yeah, but the politicians are not happy. Um, yeah, the South Korean one was actually called the anti-Google law locally because Google are really, really big in South Korea and Google have already come back with their proposals to the government and Google's proposal is, sure, pay whoever you like, but you still owe us the, the commission. And the politicians are very cranky and Apple are very quietly saying nothing out loud. And I think they're letting Google do the running and they'll just row in behind Google. <laughs> That's like when you're in school and, and uh, the teacher's picking on somebody else and you just kind of sit there as quietly as you can. Don't move a muscle yeah, if they don't, don't pick on you. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah, I'm not here. Exactly. So that that's what's going on there. Uh, the other thing that's been a recent story the last couple of months, which a lot of it triggered, frankly, by Apple insisting everyone should return to the office. That that seemed to be the trigger that I'm sure it was a straw that broke the camel's back rather than the only reason. But Apple employees have been quite cranky. And the crankiness continues. Um, so we have some more fallout from the hashtag Apple II movement. Um, there are shareholder proposals uh, which would force Apple to reveal stuff about their NDAs and so forth related to cranky employees. And Apple were hoping to get away without having to actually put them on the ballot at their AGM next year. Uh, next year, uh, but a- this AGM. Sorry, that's the European term. Um, that meeting where the people who own the company get to have their say once a year. Shareholder oh, okay. the, meeting. Shareholder meeting, okay. Sorry, under European corporate law, we call those AGMs. Sorry, um, wrong hat on. Okay. Um, so, but the SEC basically went, no, you have to allow them to come up for a vote. So hmm. that could be interesting. Uh, last month, we said that Cher Scarlett had reached an agreement with Apple that she would drop her case with the National Labor Relations Board. Who is she exchange, again? Uh, she is the second of the hashtag Apple two people to leave Apple. Um, so hmm. the first was Ashley uh, Giovic, and she was fired. And the second was Cher Scarlett, who left with an agreement with Apple, but 
that appears to have fallen apart because part of the agreement was that she would withdraw her case and Apple were supposed to do other things in response. And she feels Apple weren't genuine in what they did. So she has now reinstated her complaint. That's really, really interesting. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by this problem, what the Apple II movement is trying to solve. Uh, as a line manager with, at one point, I had about 170 employees working for me. We uh, worked with HR to get them to give us the demographics against level against salary. Hmm. So we were actually able to see what we were doing. Because until you see it, you can't tell that, you know, you know, oh, I'm fair to everybody. I'm just perfectly fine. But when you see it, you're like, wait a minute, that Asian guy who never talks, he's only an E4. He, sh- he should definitely be an E5 by now. I forgot him because he never makes any noise, you know. <laughs> Um, I also found a white guy I'd forgotten. So that was that was interesting. Uh, And it was oh, it was fantastic. We all loved it and everything. And then somebody up above found out we were doing it and shut it down. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, So you can't win. Yeah. And it's very hard. I have been very careful not to have a strong opinion on this because I don't know what's going on. Because all we ever hear is Apple said and the whistleblower said, but what's really going on? And is it that, you know, 99% of the employees are happy and there's a few very noisy, cranky people? Or is it that most people are unhappy, but they're afraid to say anything and that the noisy people are actually representing almost everyone? Could be anything. Or or are there a lot of really happy, well-paid people and a bunch of really unhappy, underpaid women and minorities? Also, yeah, exactly. Right? That's exactly. another split it could go with, but you don't know. We, yeah. that's, that's why the metrics, if you do it at a high enough level, you should be able to say, this is the this is the pay gap that we have, and this is what we're going to do about it, or there is not a pay gap. Yeah. It's you also, got, you got to have the metrics. It's also broadened out, though, because it's, it's talk about conditions. It's talk about, like, you know, they didn't like Apple's attitude towards return to the office. So, oh, so right, right. It has broadened as well as, as deepening. So that makes me think it's I, I don't want to discount it, but that makes it start sounding like a like a grape session, like anything, you know, throw everything into the bucket that's wrong. Oh, but it's sort of like, you know, the, you're at the straw that broke the camel's back where people have been getting crankier and crankier for years. Mm-hmm. And finally, you know, the silence is broken and now everyone's going, well, now that we're having this conversation, allow me yeah. to also, yeah, you know. Yeah. But what gives me pause is there was a, there was a, an attempt to get a campaign going for a Christmas Eve walkout. And there was a lot of news coverage that, you know, Apple stores would be walking out on Christmas Eve and don't cross the picket line. And then silence. So I went digging to see if I could find anyone who had reported the story the next day. And I only actually found one story over on HuffPo. And uh, apparently for this worldwide walkout, 50 employees walked out. Not 50 stores closed, 50 employees so uh, okay how widespread is the crankitude if only 50 people walked out so i don't know how to how to read that data point but it, if that had had a massive uptake if it had been this huge walkout on christmas eve then i would have taken note but there was an attempt to get it going and it, it fizzled yeah it's not necessarily a measure of not that many people are annoyed. It might mm. be more a measure of how many people are willing to go without that extra pay at Christmas or, you know, right. whatever. Right. Or it may just be that it wasn't very well organized. Possibly, yeah. In the show notes, you refer to it as a bit of a damp squib. 
Yeah. It's an actual phrase in Merriam-Webster's dictionary that I have never heard. It's a type of uh, dummy explosive used in, in stagecraft. And if it gets wet, then your little explosion on your pantomime doesn't go off. That's crazy. I've never heard of, of that. It's one of my favorite idioms. It's one of my favorite idioms. And people get it wrong and talk about damp squid. And I'm like, well, a squid is supposed to be damp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I didn't even look at that yet. Squib. What is a squib? It's an explosive. Something is, okay. Something that is disappointing because it is not as exciting or effective as expected. What a great phrase. There you go. I, I, it's one of my absolute favorites. Um, I like to throw it in when I can. Exactly. Uh, we talked a lot in the last show. In fact, I, I chose my guest last time specifically because of this story. Um, it was about the, the whole repair aspect and of, of Apple and stuff. Um, and so two small developments in that regard in December. Um, iOS 15.2 has added a parts and service history feature to the iPhone. So you can actually go into settings general and see what parts have and haven't been replaced and whether or not they are genuine Apple parts, which is a fantastic way to double check if you pay for an upgrade somewhere, whether or not you actually got what you paid for. How does that get in there? So Apple's of genuine stuff is all cryptographically signed and stuff. So basically, if it checks out, it checks out. And if it doesn't, it'll be listed as not genuine. Okay, so it's not something that they have to uh, count on the the person at the mall who put a right. new screen on to type in? Exactly. So the iPhone, when it ships, knows all its serial numbers of all its parts. Anytime there's mm-hmm. a serial number different, it knows that the part has been changed. And then it can check with Apple if it's an authorized change. Okay, cool. I'm looking at the link you sent in uh, on Mac Rumors, and they've got screenshots of what it looks like. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, some people are like, oh, Apple are being evil. And I'm like, no, if I pay someone to fix my phone, I really like being able to know whether they gave me a genuine part or not. Because if I paid them for a genuine part and they didn't give me a genuine part, well, gosh darn it, I'd like to know. Well, and if you buy a secondhand phone, do you want to know if any of the parts have been replaced? Bingo. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think this is fantastic. So that's um, uh, iOS 15.2 is in beta still, right? I thought it had been released, but I... Oh, did it? I thought it came out between Christmas and New Year when everyone was too busy not looking at the world. I will check while we talk. Uh, here we go about... What is it? I'm an idiot. 15.2 is out. Yeah. Okay, cool. We can all go look. Although I've heard different things. Some people say it only comes up, like the VPN settings, it only comes up if you have a VPN. In this case, it only comes up if you have a replaced part. So I'm not uh, I'm not sure if everyone's going to see it necessarily. Oh, okay. Shoot. Apple have this nice, I, I say nice, I'm, I'm being a bit facetious there, of, you know, hiding features that aren't there so you don't know what you don't know. Um, don't worry your pretty little head about it. Yeah, and to some extent, you know, oh, keep things simple. I mean, it's not like the settings area isn't complicated enough, as I tell the person who mapped it once. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, but it does drive me crazy, like when you want to look up, how do I have my headphones set for, you know, double tap or whatever? Yeah. And, and you're looking and you're going, I swear there was a control in Bluetooth somewhere. Where is it? <laughs> well, if it's not, if they're not connected, paired, opened, you can't yeah. go look at it because it's not there. Yes, actually, that's caught me out a few times because I was trying to be proactive. It's like, oh, I don't need my headphones in now. I just want to set them up for later. It's like, no, you shall put them in now if you want to set them up for later. Anyway, uh, the other thing, Mac Rumors found a memo sent around to uh, AppleCare um, people, and in fact, Apple stores, uh, 
saying it is now Apple's official policy that you can buy Apple Care Plus after your phone has been repaired, assuming the phone's repair meets the, the self-test feature on the iPhone. Or indeed your Mac and the self-test thingy on your Mac. So you know the way when you contact oh. Apple support, they make you run a little tester? Yeah. Well, now, even if your device is repaired, if the tester runs and gives back success, you can still pay for Apple Care Plus. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's more it's more Apple getting better about this whole repair thing. And given that they're getting dinged about it quite a bit, and there's also regulatory pressure on that with the right to repair movement. So I'm liking Apple's proactive developments here. If they could be proactive on the App Store too, they mightn't be in as much trouble. <laughs> so anyway. And then finally, in follow-ups, a little bit of news on our friends in the NSO group uh, who are responsible for the Pegasus malware. Uh, reporting is that the company is doing quite <coughs> poorly financially. Uh, they are burning through cash, is how it is described. And uh, they are considering either closing or selling. And Oh, I boy, know, that's so it? sad. Where is the world's smallest violin? Do you have it? Someone... You know. <laughs> And then there was also a good report jointly between, was between Ars Technica and Wired or someone. It was basically two big organizations have a really good report on the NSO's deal with Uganda, which is what ended up with the US uh, diplomats getting their phones taken over by Pegasus, which ended up with the US government getting very, very cranky, which is basically the reason the NSO group are going bust. So that's kind of an interesting report about the details of that. But they basically went to a dictatorship and went, hey, wouldn't you like to be able to hack every iPhone? Please don't abuse this. <laughs> and shockingly. Yeah, what did they think? They didn't, or, or else they didn't care. Anyway, so that's uh, that's our follow-ups on our ongoing stories. Um, a little pop into legal latest. Uh, first place we're going to go is your friend, Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers. So as you already hinted, the injunction that was due to come into effect on December 9th, which would have forced Apple to take third-party payments, sorry, preferred Apple to allow apps to take third-party payments. Uh, Apple won their appeal against her rejection of their injunction. No, of, oh, I think it was the stay. They, they, Thank you. They achieved a stay, so they didn't actually win. Correct. But they achieved this day, so it didn't have to go into place by December 9th. And and part of their argument was, you got to give us a minute. Yeah. You know, we, that's kind other, of a complex change. Well, the other part of their argument was, this is a really big change, and we have an appeal pending. So if we win that appeal, then we need to undo this. Why don't you just let us not do it till after the appeal is resolved? Do I remember correctly that they, it was a different judge who overrode her and said she was kind of out of line in what she did? Well, that's one way of phrasing it. So the judge issued a stay, issued the injunction. Apple appealed, looking for a stay. She said no. So Apple went above her to the circuit court, and the circuit court said, okay, you can have the stay. Yeah. It's, so, hmm. Okay, I'm misremembering a piece. Okay. Yeah. They didn't really, they didn't give a slapdown on Judge Rogers. They just basically went, no, no, you can have your stay, Apple. So you could argue that is a sort of a slapdown, but... It wasn't particularly. She didn't get a scolding. Oh, okay. How how much do you think people will take advantage of buying from other from third parties it if they have both choices? It depends on how it's done, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I know you know people like us. 
start to know developers. You know, I know Steve Harris of reinvented mm. software. I would go out of my way to pay him directly as long as he gave me a family plan that I could use on all my computers and everything. But as soon as it got hard, I wouldn't even pay Steve directly, you know, uh, but norms. Yeah. Well, they just push the button, don't they? To me, if they push the button at all. Buying software is one thing, and I, I'm, I'm not sure how – I'd probably be okay with third parties on buying software, but on subscriptions, I would want – I want Apple's API. So if it's – if Apple opened their API so that you can have third-party payments through the API, that there's still a central place to see all of your subscriptions, then I wouldn't object to third parties. But I do not want to lose the ability to go in and just see all of my subscriptions and List. kill them. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, especially the and kill them part. That's the mm-hmm. uh, that's the the nice easy feature. There's no there's no uh, difficulty at all to shutting them off. Um, I mean, I just can't picture normal people saying, "Oh, I want the developer to get all of the money." I don't think they <laughs> right. think about that at all. It's going to depend on how frictionless the experience is to go not Apple. Yeah, the world's giant big, the world giantest biggest, it depends, is what I would give as my answer to that question. I bet it'll just be a, a damp squib. It, it could very, very well be, right? Especially if the South Korea thing stays, where they still charge the commission, then the whole thing becomes pointless anyway. Yeah. It becomes a pyrrhic victory. Um, so anyway, we shall see. Uh, meanwhile, Apple have decided to sue the Russian federal government, which is an interesting way to push back against regulation. So uh, back in August, uh, Apple were basically told that their anti-steering rules had to go uh, or they'd start getting fined. And so Apple are now suing the um, Federal Anti-Monopoly Service to have that overturned. So that's an interesting choice. I always think of the Russian laws as being like the uh, uh, Cardassians. Uh, your trial is on Tuesday for murder and you will be found uh, guilty and put to death. Yeah, your 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 execution is scheduled on Wednesday already. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Actually, yeah. And as we're getting to the, near the end of DS9 on Mission Log, I am very much thinking about Cardassians. Um, <laughs> yep. Right. Uh, moving on to Apple HR and acquisition news. Um, Apple's car project appears to have lost three more engineers. Uh, Eric Rogers, who was their chief engineer for Radar Systems, has joined... Joby Aviation, who are a flying taxi company. And if I'm completely honest, Mm. that does sound like more fun. Like Apple car (laughs) sounds like fun, but flying taxi sounds like more fun. Um, I have a a little bit to add about the idea of radar on a a self-driving car. And mm -hmm. I've told you this in the background, but uh, I met a gentleman who works in the AI uh, part of of Tesla. Mm. And he told me that um, they had to stop using radar and only using optical uh, sensors on their cars because of a part shortage. And when they stopped using the radars, they actually found that their the system did a better job of detecting things like uh, overpasses. So to a, to a radar, an overpass tends to look like a straight line. It doesn't have any any height information. Like it can't see under it. It just sees there's something coming. And so you get this phantom braking where you're coming up to an overpass and your car will slow down because it thinks it's a brick wall. It's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, God. And they they were they were sad that they had to stop using the radars and they could only use the optical sensors, but they they turned them off for everybody. So everybody got the new version that only did uh, the optical sensors. And all of a sudden, all that phantom braking went away. So uh, it might be that there's not as much future in um, having radar sensors on self-driving cars. 
So what's a guy going to do? He's got to go to a flying taxi startup then. Right. And in the sky, radar is definitely the thing, right? When it comes to not hitting other airplanes, radar is very much, you know, there's yeah. no overpasses there. That's uh... Yeah. <laughs> It's a little different different uh, design job. It is. Um, and flying taxis appear to be all the rage because Alex Carabut, who is a battery team manager, and uh, Stephen Spiteri, I'm going to say, who is a hardware engineering team manager, they have both moved to Archer Aviation, who are also doing flying taxis. So that appears to be the hip thing to be in Silicon Valley is a flying taxi startup. Hmm. Anyway... Uh, the Dean of Apple University, Joel uh, Padolo, Padolini, I'm going to say. Mm, I hate the, 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 I need to get better at this bit of the show. Padolini, maybe? Padolini. Yeah, that's that sounds, that sounds pronounceable, which is probably right then. Uh, so the Dean of Apple University is leaving for a startup. Um, Nick, Nick Law, Apple's uh, advertising VP, is leaving. We don't know where he's going. Uh, so that's a lot of people leaving Apple, but uh, there is some hiring going on. Um, Apple appear to be building out a new team uh, focused on making their own wireless chipset. Um, they are definitely hiring and they are looking for people with those skills. It's a little bit of speculation as to exactly why they're hiring those people with those skills. But the rumor mill has it that they want to build their own wireless chipsets. Which, given the devices they make, I can see the logic in that. Every day, more and more is just under one roof. Yeah. I mean, and they're good at silicon, right? They, they've they proved it's a strength. So why, they, why not build on that strength? Um, I mean, they'll have their own 5G chip soon enough. That's that's They're due in the pipeline in 2022. So why not go for Wi-Fi 2? Uh, and then in related news, um, apparently Meta i.e. formerly the Facebook company, um, have succeeded in hiring away about 100 Apple engineers in recent months, according to Bloomberg. And Apple have decided to respond to this by offering bonuses of up to 180k to their to their senior engineers to stay with Apple. And Bloomberg said it is very rare. That's that's big, wow. like, you, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that'll leave a mark. Yeah, and the rumour is a lot of this is around AOR and stuff, which is obviously there's competition there, right? So that's yeah, exactly. Thing. Hmm. Um, moving on to services and original content highlights. Um, it would appear that it is it is always award season. It appears that that is just forever. Uh, I thought that was a thing that came and went, but it seems to be there all the time. So, Apple TV Plus has gotten nine Critic Choice Awards uh, nominations for television shows. So, For All Mankind picked up Best Drama Series, Best Supporting Actor to Billy Crudup from The Morning Show, Best Comedy for Ted Lasso, Best Actor in a Comedy for Jason Sudeikis and Ted Lasso, Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series um, for Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso, Best Supporting Actress to um, Christian Chenoweth for Schmigadoon, which I have to say I haven't watched, but apparently is very good. I tried. Um, Best Supporting Actress again for Hannah Waddington from Ted Lasso. Uh, best Movie Made for Television, uh, Come Far Away. And Best Foreign Language Series come, for Acapulco. Come From Away. I have not heard of that. Uh, yes, neither have hmm. I actually. So, uh, you know, again, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, and a few other things. Um, <laughs> it's the goodness me if they... And it sounded like it was going to be so ho-hum on paper. And I, I, I'm so glad to have been so wrong. <laughs> Uh, and then meanwhile, because the critics apparently break things into two groups, um, so Critics Award Television was the first lot. So Critics Award also a film, 
Uh, and basically, Coda got a whole bunch of nominations. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Adaptive Screenplay, Best Young Actor slash Actress. And then the it's tragedy fantastic. of... Yeah, I, I don't like that they still use Actress, but anyway. Uh, tragedy of Macbeth, uh, nominated for Best Actor and Best Cinematography. So they're all nominations, and I'm sure Apple will pick up one or two. But uh, they actually won uh, for sort of awardy things from the American Film Institute. Um, Coda and Tragedy of, The Tragedy of Macbeth were listed on their top 10 films of 2021. And Ted Lasso and Schmigadoon made the top 10 list of TV shows of 2021. You know, if this is a, a long list of awards, but the thing you can say is people have stopped saying... Well, Apple shouldn't be doing this. Apple's way behind. Apple doesn't have any content. It's like, so if you add up the numbers, there's not nearly as much content as on a lot of the other networks, but you can't say they aren't coming out with some banging stuff. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, you know, Apple could never make a phone. Apple could never make television. Well, they can make television, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And since I love Ted Lasso, I think you do too. uh, There was a holiday special just appeared, an animated short. Um, But the missing moustache. So there we go. That that was a nice little Christmas bonus from Apple. Uh, Meanwhile, a a thing that we're going to start seeing more of, um, the European Union have this directive, which is in the process of being translated into different national laws, where media companies have to invest a certain amount in local content in order to be allowed to be active in the country. And to meet that goal, uh, France were quick off the mark, and they have struck a deal with Apple TV+, Plus, Netflix, and Disney+, Plus, who together are going to be spending $330 million on French content. And the interesting thing is that almost all of this content, I can't remember if it's 80 or 90%, but the vast, vast majority is going to be published to the world but it's going to be french made content so i think we'll all get a little more cosmopolitan do you think that's right that companies have to invest in helping them make their content i don't understand to me if if the content is good it'll rise to the top yeah, but that only see okay, that doesn't work for global stuff because it means you don't end up with local content. So the UK have had these Wait, kind of why doesn't it work? Well, French content that's about Ireland is never going to compete with content that is about America because Ireland is tiny. So how does pouring money at it make it? it okay, relevant? so it means that you have to spend money on programming that is Irish made and about Ireland. But but why? <laughs> I guess I just don't see why that has to come from external companies. Oh no! It only comes from no no. It doesn't come from external companies. It only comes from companies selling television in the country. Right. That's what I'm saying. They're they're. I don't know. It, it just it just strikes me as funny if it's. I mean, if France, for example, has uh, a lot of really hot tech. They've got a, a great tech center. They're at CES. They've got tons of new products. They're going crazy. Nobody had to pay them extra to do that because they're poor little France. France just did it. Right. But the argument is that if you're going to to be a streaming company in Europe, then you can't only show foreign content. You also have to show some local content. And and that makes perfect sense to me, that you have to show local content. But why do they have to pay the French companies to make that foreign content? Why doesn't Why don't the French companies make the foreign content? Well, because there's no one to pay for it. Because there's no one paying for it. Because the international companies just go in and run with their own content. Hmm. You still have to compete for it. Like it's not a it's not a giveaway. Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. It's, it's the politics, UK have a long history um, of the public service obligation where every television company in the UK have to spend a certain percentage of their time on stuff in the public interest. So basically stuff that's not commercially viable but is important. Okay. And that like actually a, works. Like, uh, maybe like our PBS. Like your PBS would be public service content, but instead of it being a separate channel, basically the commercial stations have to spend a certain amount every oh. year on those kind of programs. And it's oh, worked quite well. Yeah. yeah. It's not a very American approach. It is an extremely European approach. Extremely <laughs> European. And I'm not surprised in the slightest France were first because okay. I'm pretty sure it was their idea. I'm, I'm making you dance awfully close to talking about politics, so I should let you move on. Well, it, yeah, I, I think I'm probably less uncomfortable with that than a lot of uh, than a lot of people are. So on this show, I'm much happier to dance on that line than I am when I'm a guest on your show. <laughs> yeah, I keep the, the line is a brick wall. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I am very good at not meeting that line. But on, on my show, I'm much happier to dance a bit closer to the line. <laughs> uh, and then finally, just... Because it's nice to see this keeps happening in ever smaller cities, but the shiny new 3D maps are now in Philadelphia. And again, just, you know, Apple Maps used to be awful and now people love it. And I certainly would never use Google Maps anymore. Actually, that's an interesting question. Have you become an Apple Maps person? I'm primarily an Apple Maps person. I I basically start in Apple Maps and if it doesn't do what I want it to do that day... um, you know, I, for some reason, I keep finding myself in the need of finding the distance between two places, neither of which is where I am. So huh. I type in, I type, it's it's an odd example, but I needed to know how far it was between two cities in Guam. And I, or because okay. I wasn't sure they were both in Guam. And so I typed in one and immediately it calculated how long it would take me to get there from here. And then I had a fight with it to get it to do the other way. So I might switch over to Google Maps when something like that happens, or it might even have been vice versa. I sort of bounce back and forth, but in general, I'm an Apple Maps person. Yeah, and uh, Ireland was one of the earlier European countries to get the maps upgrade, and it it is beautiful. Like our maps yeah. are beautiful. I like uh, looking at the uh, the 3D map with the. Uh, I think you can do. Is that the? Can you do the 3D map with satellite on? Because I know th- I know one of them, I can actually see the shadow move of the big tree in front of my house. It's that level of detail. I certainly wouldn't do that while driving. What I love about the 3D maps when you're <laughs> driving is that when there are like tall buildings and stuff that are going to obstruct your view of a junction, you actually get a feel for that. You, you get a much, it's hard to describe, but it's a much more accurate feel of what the junction is going to be like when you get there. Oh, uh, particularly okay. in city traffic. So I, I've had to make a few trips into Dublin city centre in the middle of rush hour recently, not of my own choice. And you have like three lanes of traffic and you have to be in the right lane at all times and you need to get ready and stuff. And Apple Maps just really helps with that. Okay. I did make the mistake of turning on satellite maps while driving in my car and the Tesla. And that is insanely distracting because it's this, you know, it's a, how big Beautiful. is by 15, 15 inches? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just covered with all this stuff moving. Yeah. You actually can do 3D maps with, uh, um, uh, sorry, with the satellite view. So I, I am looking now at the shadow of my big tree. It's fun. Cool. Yeah. So, this, you know, that's a product that's really turned around. So, we only have three main stories, and to be honest, they're not all that main, um, but it's December, so I guess that this is as main as it gets. So we have a fairly interesting development in China. Um, we have 
an interesting story from India, and then we have some new features in Apple's uh, mid-year, major, semi-major, whatever we're calling these point-release OS updates. So the first story is uh, Apple in China, and on the one hand, we have what I'm sort of calling a related story. Apple became the dominant phone brand in China in October 2021, which is... Oh, I didn't know that. That's a big deal. And wow. China generally prefers not to have foreign companies as the biggest in China. But the main story is that thanks to the information, we now know the details of a deal Apple succeeded in striking with the Chinese government in 2016. And this is one of those stories that now the news makes more sense. So we now know that Apple agreed to invest in China to help make China one of the best manufacturing centers. They agreed to abide by the law. And in exchange, the Chinese government would back off in terms of the regulations and stuff. Mm. And in the early 2000s, in the early 20-teens, there were a lot of stories where the Chinese official press would attack Apple over things. And where there would be like boycotts of Apple started by not the Chinese government, really, you know, state media, which effectively is the Chinese government. And you could just feel this pressure mounting. And then it evaporated. It stopped Hmm. happening. And now that I look back at it, it's like, oh, it stopped happening around about five years ago. Just when Apple struck a deal with the Chinese government estimated to be worth $275 billion. So I almost think it was like an extortion. It's like <laughs> that's exactly the way I thought of it as you were starting to describe it. But it's sort of hard to tell what's the chicken and the egg. Right. Did the Chinese government decide we don't like Apple, so we're going to start putting the screws on? They're getting a bit too powerful. And then Apple came and went, uh, how's about we do a deal? Or did they start to put the screws on and then go to Apple and say, so uh, would you like this to go a bit easier? Mm. <laughs> oh, so the extortionist was Apple. <laughs> Oh, I sort of think it, it's more, I think it's more a case that the Chinese government played their hands to say, look, we have power too, right? You may be right. a large company, but we have power too. Uh, but I've seen, I've been reading a lot of analysis about it, and it's easy to assume that China has all the power, but it doesn't quite, because they do also depend on Apple, like that, those jobs Apple create are not insignificant, and the Chinese economy is not as healthy as it could be, so they, they actually don't want to make Apple too cranky. And they also like to use good relations with Apple to bolster their international image. So there is power both sides, but it is undeniable that China has amazing power over Apple because they could really mess with Apple's supply chain. Like If they decided to go right. nuclear on Apple, they could really mess up Apple for quite some time. And and they're willing to go nuclear. They, they went nuclear on their own companies. They decided that uh, they didn't really think that tech should be about gaming so much anymore. So they just basically cut a whole bunch of companies off at the knees. Their own yeah. companies, not not external companies. Their, their companies. Wasn't it compulsory where you have to register as a kid and prove who you are? And then there's like compulsory time limits per child? Yeah, yeah. and it's small. It's like one An or two hour hours a day, a day and on, on the weekends, I think. I mean, it's not even right. – it's, it's they've just said, okay, we don't want to be in that business anymore. Yeah. We, we need – it is an interesting idea to have a strategic direction for the technology of an entire country. That's something that I don't think we've ever seen another country do where they're going, OK, we can make – we want this to occur. Therefore, we have to do this to all these companies. OK, go. Mm. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> that is a definition of a planned economy, right, which is what China is. They 
plan their economy. They don't do incentives yeah. and hope for the best. They just go, nope, we're doing this. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. It is definitely different to what we do. <clears throat> definitely. So, you know, I, I, a lot of the headlines tried to make this out to be a scandal that Apple did a deal with the government. But when I dug into the details and I looked at all the summaries, there was never anything scandalous in there. It was always give and take and there was never anything underhand. Like Apple agreed to obey the law. Well, they were going to do that anyway. They were going to get kicked out of the country. Apple agreed to invest. Well, that's kind of in Apple's own interest too. And, you know, Apple agreed to invest in Ireland. Apple agreed to invest in lots of places. So I, I think the, the whole thing, the reason it's a scandal is China. I think if the, if the country name had been any other country, well, yeah. maybe Russia. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair, fair. Uganda, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it would be amazing if they did a deal like this with Uganda. Uganda would suddenly be a lot more powerful than I gave them credit for. <laughs> yeah. But it's really, I just find that fascinating that we now know how Apple have been managing that difficult China relationship over the last five years. And it's a very Tim Cook approach to the problem. We we will sit down and we'll do a deal. I'm not yeah. sure it's a Steve Jobs approach to the problem. And abide by the laws in the country. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know... They were, they were always going to have to, right? And when you think back to the kind of pressure they were coming under, it was all about abiding by the Chinese laws. So we don't think we don't think this meets our laws. We don't think this meets our laws. We don't think this meets our laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also have got a pretty good deal on iCloud because they actually get away with still controlling the keys. They have to control them in China, but Apple are still controlling them. Which oh, is, really? Yeah. So other companies... Huh have to do it in China, and the Chinese government basically have the keys, whereas Apple still have the keys, but they do have to do it in China. I did not know they had the keys. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, compared to what we have not in China, we're still better off. But Chinese iCloud is better off than Chinese Wei, Baidu or whatever else you're having yourself. You know, so it, it's, right. it's an interesting compromise. It's, it's compromises all around. So I, I would recommend people read the article, not because it's scandalous, but because it's really interesting. Yeah. And uh, the original deal was for five years, which means it ended in 2021, but there are rumours it had a one-year extension. So yeah. this may all be up for renegotiation about Newish, which is also And so in five years, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, a big deal for Apple has been trying to break into India. I mean, it's one of the BRIC countries. It's the I in BRIC. And the India is another one of those countries that do things very differently to us here in the West, right? I mean, you, you visited India. You've seen this firsthand. I've heard you talk about it a few times. And they have this notion that, well, if you want to do business here, you better make some stuff here. Better build things here. So, yeah, speaking of speaking of. It's doing things to make sure your planned economy. Uh, the the story Bart's talking about is we went to a uh, hemp factory where they were sewing burlap bags, hmm. and it was like stepping back into the 1920s. It was it was so bizarre. I mean, there was no ear protection. There was the level of dust of just like you could grab it with your hands. The amount of of fiber and dust that was in the air and and stuck to everything. And they explained that to us that. 
they absolutely positively could automate this. But it kept three shifts of working, three shifts a day of like 200 people working. And so they they actively chose not to automate it so they could keep these people employed. Hmm. And it was rec- like, recently the farmers they're all dying would- of hemp poisoning, but <laughs> – yeah. Well, recently the farmers won a big battle because the government were trying to de to, to deregulate um, the sale of produce. So at the moment, the farmers have a guaranteed price from the government. So whatever they grow, mm. they're guaranteed to get so much per radish or whatever. Okay. Uh, and the government wanted to move to a free market where they might get more sometimes or they might get less sometimes. And the farmers were like, no, this way we know what we're going to get. And it took a year of protest. But Narendra Modi backed down a few weeks ago. He's like, OK, fine, you win. We stay we stay on the managed economy. This is in India. You're still in India, about, right? in India. Yeah. Huh. So it, again, different. But one of their big things is, OK, Apple, not just Apple, right? OK, everyone. If you want to open stores in this country, you have to make things in this country. So Apple have been working to break into the Indian market and they've been working to open factories in India. And they've been using Foxconn as their partner to do that because Foxconn saw an opportunity to make, you know, to continue to be the main manufacturer, even if it wasn't happening in China. It's like, we just go to India then, you know, we'll make them for you in India. Um, I see that as a big victory all across the board. Possibly. I mean, but- that, that starts to get Apple the diversity they need, too, of, of countries and, you know, staying away from one flood shuts off a market. Or one COVID outbreak shuts down everything. Like in the early days of the pandemic, yeah. Apple's reliance on China suddenly looked very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So it's not going smoothly, is the is the reason this is story number two. Um, oh. There is a factory run by Foxconn that is closed and they are paying their workers full time until they fix it because their living and working conditions were not in line with Apple's requirements. They gave a whole bunch of people food poisoning because there were rats all over the place. Um, Descriptions are things like reprehensible. Uh, It it really does not make for good reading. The dorm conditions were horrific. The food was horrific. So it would appear that Foxconn, when forced to abide by Chinese law, provides a better service than Foxconn when they can do whatever they want in a less regulated economy. So India was did not have regulations on how they to take care of the employees? In, it's a mix. They're not as strong as the regulations you have in China, and they were not enforced as diligently as they are in China. Um, but... Apple's requirements trump everything. Like Apple have Apple's requirements are more more restrictive or more requiry. <laughs> I'm not phrasing that very well, but uh, so it was Apple that shut it down. Eventually, Apple put them on probation, but and now now that Apple have put them on probation, now the government are coming in going, "Oh, we should investigate this." I think there might have been some violations. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, better late than never. Uh, but it was basically workers who forced the issue. So worker protests oh, okay. uh, were needed to actually get anywhere on this. Why this factory? Why was it, it bad versus – because it was Foxconn? I don't know because I'm thinking back to the riots a few – was it a year and a half ago or so where there was a factory closed down for months because of riots because workers yeah. weren't happy? And that was put down to, oh, teething problems. That was Pegatron rather than Foxconn. Hmm. So uh, there may be a bigger problem – in India, that they may not, their regulation, like we complain that Chinese allow working conditions we wouldn't consider acceptable, but they do actually have rules that they implement very vigorously. We just wish they were better. Whereas in India, 
the rules don't seem to get implemented. So the rules are much more of an option than... Could it also be, the, uh, like you say, a teething pain of the, uh, of the company that's used to a workforce who do- does what they're told to a workforce that maybe has more independent thinking? Yes. That, that, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't I, know how the workforce caused it, but, you know, the managers or whatever, they can't make the managers do things the way they tell them to do. Well, in, in Pegatron, manage, managers, culture clash with managers was a real problem in Pegatron. That, that, in that, in okay. that case, we had the riots breaking out. It was a real, yeah, the managers were failing to manage and there was all sorts of culture clash going on. That was definitely an issue in the Pegatron one. This one... Well, it could still be a culture thing, right? It could just be that Foxconn assumed that if you say do something, then something will be done. Mm-hmm. Whereas in actual fact, if you say do something, something may be half done or not done or whatever. So you're right. It could it could come down to a culture thing. It's certainly a case that the safeguards that should be in place aren't working. So that is teething problems. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to watch because I think Apple would have liked the transition to manufacturing India to be smooth because they want to have more diversity and because they want to have all good news stories about Apple and India. And that hasn't worked out for them, neither with uh, Pegatron nor Foxconn. So I imagine hmm. there were some cranky words exchanged in Cupertino. Yeah. I wonder, do they use iMessage or do they do their meeting over? <laughs> uh, they probably, well, it's encrypted, so they might like that, right? Yeah, they use Slack, though, as their, um, uh, for all their internal communications, we now know, which is interesting. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, we know that thanks to the hashtag Apple2 movement. Uh, oh, right, so, right. So with the pandemic, they switched to Slack as their team platform. Anyway, um, so, I mean, again, I don't know how much more we can say about those two stories, but the, they are certainly interesting and something to watch yeah and they are the most significant things that happened in december like i say low bar uh, but the other thing we got in december uh so our third main story uh we have apple have really started to do this thing where they tell us stuff at wwdc and then they give it to us later in these point releases and so we had one of those drop recently where we went to ios 15.2 and uh mac os 10 12.1 because the, the Mac OS came out later than iOS, so they're a version behind. So that actually gave us quite a lot of stuff. So SharePlay came to the Mac. So SharePlay had come to iOS at 15.1, but it now has come to the Mac too. So Macs can now play along with the SharePlay stuff. And in related news, Disney Plus has added SharePlay, which I think is a big deal. Uh, Apple's... So i got to tell you something great about uh, that. What is, what is the new Star Trek? Uh, it's more like a, it's an animated series. New animated series oh, came out. Lower Decks. Lower, no, not Lower Decks. It's it's a more oh, kid sorry, friendly. The new, the new animated series. Yes, I haven't watched it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually really, it's pretty good. Um, it was so much fun. Using SharePlay, Steve was able to introduce Forbes, who is five, oh. to Star Trek. They sat together and watched it and from different uh, cities. And I thought that was just fabulous. Brilliant. Excellent. Unfortunately, um, there haven't been very many episodes. Well, I think three I must add it to my list, actually, because the original series, the original animated series is mercilessly mocked because the animation is extremely cheap. But mm-hmm. the actual sci-fi is really good. So I actually yeah. think in terms of sci-fi, they stand up amazingly. It's just production quality, they don't. So I would actually give people a little bonus recommendation that the old original series, the old animated series from the original days is actually worth a watch. They're short. They're only 20 minutes. Okay. 
I know Steve liked it. I I didn't uh, didn't end up trying it myself. I, I'm going to add it to the list. Now, I haven't found an excuse to try SharePlay yet. I thought, the, 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 you know, the better half was in hospital in the lead up to Christmas and we thought he might be stuck in over Christmas. And had I had actually made arrangements that we would test out SharePlay, but then he was let home. Um, so, ah, okay. And I'm not disappointed. I, oh, how terrible. I didn't get to try SharePlay. I said, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that. I think that's uh, okay. Yeah. So I haven't actually played it yet, but it's nice that Disney Plus has joined the club. Obviously, Netflix is going to drag their feet since they won't even do the TV app. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. The voice-only plan, which I'm still very confused by, is now live because obviously that support for that was needed on the OS level. So that was rolled into these OS updates. So you can now get... Why does a... it confuse you? You don't think that there's a place for it? $5 a month so you can... Only you you can play music, but only if you talk to it. So it's really hard to find what you want and stuff. Maybe why is I'm that wrong. really hard to? Why is that hard to find what you want? Well, my experience of asking Siri to play something is not very good. But maybe hmm. I'm just an amateur at asking Siri to play things. Yeah, I know you've never been big on on talking to your devices. Uh, I haven't found it to be a big problem. Then um, you know, I don't. I have uh, fairly fairly minor needs in the music department. I was just going to say, worked out. <laughs> as someone who literally doesn't enjoy music, um, I'm not the right witness. I, I don't think so, and I, I think I may be a particularly difficult customer because I like classical music, and I don't just yeah. want Mozart's Fifth Symphony. I want to, you know, buy a certain orchestra or whatever. It's, you know, they're not the same. You know, Beethoven's Fifth has been recorded a million times, but they're really not all the same as each other. And I might be looking for a specific one. Um, so if you think about it, a, a large majority of people listen to music on the terrible speakers that come in the uh, Amazon Echo. And the sure. only way you're telling that is through voice. That's the only uh, interface. Uh -huh. Okay, so if you're an Amazon Echo family, then you're used to shouting at the air to have things happen. So why not? But I'm saying shout people did. Air? Yeah, why wouldn't? Why not have an Apple service that can do the same thing? Hmm. I mean, it shows there's a market for it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, for people who will shout at their devices. Yeah, is five dollars a month? Is there a price point there where maybe Europe is too Spotify focused? Um, being being. Well, what does Spotify cost? Well, there is a free plan, right? So if you're prepared to have ads, you can have a free Spotify plan, and there's no free Apple plan, which is why in right. Europe Spotify is very dominant. So <laughs> the the dominant group of people not paying anything. So Apple's crying a lot about that, right? <laughs> right, but is the five dollars a month for this voice only plan enough to get people to switch over? I think it's worth a shot. Yeah, and the other theory I've heard is that they want training data for Siri. And this is certainly <laughs> that. Would be that. Good. So Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. We shall see. I I am I I am it's not that I think it'll fail, it's that I don't understand how it will succeed, but I am looking forward to being educated. Fair enough. Uh, we also then have uh the promised app privacy report feature. Um this is this is a way for apps to log um everything an app is doing in terms of contacting other servers and reading from sensors and so on and so forth. So this needs to be turned on and is only useful to people who know what they're doing. But it, this is a tool to allow security researchers to really know what they're doing. So I, I'm very much looking forward to this being in the hands of a lot of people. 
Oh, okay. So the app privacy report isn't for regular humans to look at? You have to turn it on first. So it doesn't actually start recording everything you do until you turn it on. And given the amount of data it logs, that's a good thing. Because this will log every single server your apps talk to and every single time they access a sensor. Uh, So it's a lot of information. And it's also technical information. So it's not useful to people who don't understand technical information. I must not be looking in the right place and understand what it is. You link to an Intego article and they show the settings privacy app privacy report. And I'm looking at that and I have all it's showing me is allow apps to request a track and then everybody I've said no to. So I must be right. So if you haven't enabled it, if you haven't turned on the reporting, there's going to be no reports. But I don't see where to turn it on based on this article. Uh, it uh, says with 15.2 or later, you'll see settings, privacy, app, privacy report, toggle this on. Then in a few days, you'll see something like this and it shows the network activity. But yeah, mine so you, is you not showing to, any. You definitely have to toggle it on and then you have to wait a while. Yeah, but it's been on since since ever. But did you turn it on? Because I mean, it's not on by default. Allow apps to request a track has been turned on right, since they not, allowed sorry, us allow to apps, do that. Sorry, this is not, no, this is not allow apps to request a track. You have to turn on the privacy report and then wait a few days. So I'm saying I don't see where to turn on the privacy report. I'll be honest, it's a feature it's that, as far as I'm concerned, is for security researchers, so I haven't turned it on, so I I can't give you tech support, I'm afraid. <laughs> Come on! And I just love that it exists, because it means that people whose job it is to keep an eye on apps, basically, this is like the second half of that um, security, the privacy uh what are we calling it? nutrition information labels, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the nutrition information labels, the app say what they, the app tells people what they promise to do. And if you turn on privacy report and you are technically competent enough, you can verify that the app is doing what it said. And so nice. I just like the fact that all of the security researchers out there can now verify those nutrition labels and I can read about all the naughty people in the news and just avoid the naughty apps. I found it. I turned it on. <laughs> Let's see if I can fill up my phone. <laughs> you have, if you have plenty of storage space, it'll be grand. Uh, I do, I do, and I never use it, so let's fill it up. <laughs> yay! Uh, the other thing that's been enabled is digital legacy, where you can specify contacts who can restore your iCloud backup onto an iOS device of theirs if they provide Apple with your death certificate. So this will allow them to get back particularly your photos, frankly, the that is the single biggest thing, but it will also get back anything you have in Apple Notes or any other app that synchronizes to iCloud. Yeah, messages and uh, mail even, probably? Uh, probably, actually, yes. Yeah. I know it doesn't get back your purchases. Yes, because you are, you're getting back the you're data, not the, li- not the licenses, right? Because, yeah. Right. So it's the content so, created. Here, here's a question for you. I've been, I've been thinking about this, and Steve and I have traded one passwords with each mm-hmm. other. So with his one password, I can get into his one password and I can find his login to his Apple ID. Yes. Do I need to turn on, does digital legacy give me anything more than I would get with that? Because I, I can't think of anything. I don't think so because if you have it would be him. full credentials, then you should be able to access everything. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. So this is a really lovely middle ground where you can allow someone to get at your stuff when you're dead, but not allow them to get at it today, right? You and Steve yeah. are trusting each other. And my, myself and the better half have done exactly what you and Steve have done. Um, right. You know, we're married. And if 
if, if he's going to mess me up, there's way worse things he can do than that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I trust okay. him with, you know. Money I just want to make sure I wasn't missing anything. I mean, I, I still think this is terrific and, yeah. and uh, would have saved a lot of trouble for some friends of mine once before if this had existed. So this is this is good. Yeah, and the more we put online, the more important it is that we have these kind of things in place. The other big thing is that the non-controversial parts of Apple's child protection features have gone live. So Siri now has the ability to answer questions about child protection issues. Um, and there is a parental control that can be enabled, which will warn children if uh, messages they receive or try to send appear to contain nudity. Uh, the change is that there is no more uh, telling tales to your parents. Um, it is now purely about helping the child. So it will ask them, you know, particularly actually on the sending end, it's actually very useful to have something step in and say, are you really sure it's a good idea to send that? Hmm. And oh, were, it does have that. It does have that. So again, it's, okay. it's the, the child's device giving the child advice without the parent being involved which takes away the fear people had about children who are in abusive relationships or LGB children in families where that is a problem. There was a Mm -hmm. fear that this could actually endanger children. And so now that the reporting bit is gone, it's purely focused on wording that child protection charities have given Apple to intercept and give guidance to kids. So... Okay, so it doesn't have the CSAM fingerprint matching that uh, that we had struggled to learn and understand before. Correct. That has not been rolled okay. out. There was a minor kerfuffle when Apple updated their website to only talk about the features they have released, and everyone assumed that meant CSAM detection was dead. But when Apple will reach for content, they went, no, 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 we're still working on it. We said we were working on it. We're still working on it. So that feature remains in limbo. There is no promise. Okay. It is, it's neither dead nor alive. It is Schrodinger's feature. okay and i'm not sure i would take a bet one way or the other whether we'll ever see it but they are working on it uh the other one that made a lot of people happy is you can now go in and enable a new setting in the camera app to give you a toggle to control macro mode so instead of the camera jumping over and back you can now control that yourself so if you change it then a toggle will show up on screen that allows you to flip between them correct so by default, okay. it continues to do automatic toggling, but you have the option okay. to basically take control of the toggling and then you get a button where you can do okay. it yourself. Have you, have you flipped it? I have not because the automatic toggling appears to have gotten cleverer. So they appear to have fixed the problem twice. They've made the automatic switching work better. Uh, it's not reshift. It's, it used to be when it toggled, it would shift where the center of the frame was because it was moving from one camera to another. But they've obviously done something clever. So I don't seem to have to reframe my photos anymore as hmm. it jumps from one to the other. And it was the reframing of the photo that was making me cranky. So now I'm not cranky anymore. It's like, well, OK, if you want to automate it without making me cranky, have at it. Now, if that changes, I'll turn on the toggle. Yeah, I'm going to go take a look at that. The effect is definitely more subtle because I was trying to take some pictures of some raindrops. I need to send them to you. They got some mm. really cool pictures because we had rain. Oh, my God. It's very exciting here. I know. We all ran out and played in it. But uh, the um, I, I had more trouble telling, wait, has it flipped into macro? I want a macro. Has it done it? I'm not sure. So I think maybe they made it less jarring. It's def- it definitely, the, the transition is way smoother. And it like I say, it used to, when it jumped, it would reframe my photo, which when I was, 
carefully trying to compose something and the wind would blow and it would jump in and out of frame. It was making me quite cranky, mm. but it, it hasn't made me cranky. So I'm like, well, if it, I'm not cranky, why change? You know, Computers are supposed to do boring tasks on my behalf. So if you figured out how to do the task, off you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then it's not all good news, I'm afraid. The feature I was most excited about in the whole of Mac OS Monterey was universal control. And that is now officially delayed until spring 2022. Yeah. I still don't understand how that's going to work. So for those who aren't paying attention, the uh, the universal control is the thing where you'll be able to slide your, your cursor from your Mac to your iPad and back and mm. moving things back and forth between them. And they're they're talking about it like it's just automatic detection. So if I've got my phone sitting on my desk, my, my I bring my uh, cursor to the side of my screen on my Mac, and I'm hoping for Yoink to pop out. But instead, my phone is going to light up with something. My cursor having moved over there. I, I, well, it would be to your tablet. It would be between computers and tablets. I don't think it's to phones. But okay, but still, my yeah, iPad is so on my desk pretty often. My understanding is that now that we have the W1 chip, where when you're using AirDrop, it can actually point at the computer. Yeah, yeah. Well, that means it actually knows the relative position of things. True. We also have continuity, which allows us to move files and stuff seamlessly. So all of so the technological pieces are in place. Mm-hmm. They just need the algorithms to have it happen automatically. And I say just as if that's an easy problem to solve. <laughs> Didn't you just say on programming by stealth, that's your, your least likely or your least enjoyable phrase is when people say, can't you just? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is to me that just is a four letter word, um, <laughs> particularly when I have my work hat on, because it's usually followed by someone making it sound like I have something simple to do that I know is going to take me weeks or months. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but I mean. The technological atoms are in place, but turning that into a service that works reliably enough to make people not swear at us, that's not a trivial task. And I presume that's where the holdup is. Okay. It did demo well at, you know, in a very controlled environment at WWDC. But of course, the real world is not a very controlled environment. <laughs> yeah, this this one sounds like it'll be tricky to get right. By the way, I did just uh, change that setting on the macro mode on the phone. Uh-huh. And, and it's kind of interesting what it does. By default, it came up with I've got a little flower symbol in bright mm-hmm. yellow on the screen. So what that means is the old behavior. Ooh. And then when you tap it off, then it'll stop going in and out of macro mode. It'll just stay in whatever mode you have it in. Oh, that's interesting. So it's not like you get close and then you tap it and it goes into macro mode. It's it's always ready to go into macro mode or never going to go into macro mode on its own. Huh. If I'm interpreting this correctly. Interesting. What happens if you hit the Chevron where you can pull out more features? Do you then get more control over it like you do, say, with the flash and stuff? Hmm, let's see if there's anything there. Nope, I don't see no little flower in there. It's actually in quite a prominent spot near the uh, like 3, uh, 3x, 1x, 0.5x. It's right in flower. line with those. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'll probably will. I, now that you, okay, now that I know I don't lose my automatic, I think I will turn it on because it may operate as an indicator. So it might solve your problem yeah. of not knowing. No, no, because it's no. not telling me whether it's in macro mode. Okay. It's telling me I will allow myself to go in and out of macro mode without you doing anything. And the other mode is I'm never going to go into macro mode. See, they could have it so that they should have it like the like the flash where you have an icon that shows you whether or not it's enabled and what state it's in. Anyway, well, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like that. 
we'll send Apple some more feedback. But I'm gonna I'll turn it on for a while. See see how it behaves. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's the end of our main stories. Um, just three little quick stories to mention before we wrap up. Um, Apple is ce- has celebrated the 10th anniversary of its employee giving scheme. This is where employees give the charity and Apple match it. And Apple say they have matched $725 million worth of donations made by Apple employees to charities of their choices. Wow. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah. That's $70 million a year. That is. Yeah. That is a lot. That is a lot. I did that math all by myself, Bart. Yeah. Seven and a quarter million <laughs> if we're going to be all persnickety about it. Yeah. Apple have also joined the Boys and Girls Clubs of America to bring their coding up. They're basically their, uh, oh, what do they call that coding curriculum? Uh, oh, I forget. They had a fancier name for it. But anyway, it's their, their coding curriculum. They're bringing it to the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, which can only be a good thing. More opportunities for young people. Yay. Uh, and Apple have also revamped their open source website so you can go and see the various open source projects that Apple are involved in. And they've actually broken it down into ones they run and ones they contribute to run by others, which is an interesting choice. Huh. Um, so that, that was, that, I quite like that, actually. Um, so there we go. That's that's it for quick stories. Like I say, not the world's longest month of Apple news. But we managed to stretch it out. Well, <laughs> we, like but, silly questions. Well, I was going to say, we had spent a long time up front talking about not the news, right? <laughs> Talking about well, we gotta we gotta close it out with congratulating you. Yes, again, yet again, uh, big big high fives. A hundred episodes, a hundred months of content created by one person with with a staff of volunteers to come on the show. It's really really extraordinary, Bart. I think I think it's a fantastic show, and I I never miss it. Thank you. And now it is a hundred episodes done, right? Because we've just done another month's worth of news. So now now it's a hundred. Now it's a hundred. I I think I posted. Uh, to Twitter that the other day I discovered a Let's Talk Apple that I had forgotten to listen to, or it might have been a Let's Talk Photography. I forget which because I love them both. And I said, finding one of those that you forgot to listen to is like finding $20 in your pocket. It's like, oh, yay. <laughs> oh, thank you, Alison. And uh, thank you for, for being my special guest for episode 100. I can't think of anyone I would rather have shared this milestone with. So uh, I was really happy when you volunteered. <laughs> Very good. Well, I was happy to be here. Excellent. Well, folks, that is another month's worth of Apple News uh, Digested. Um, Alison, thank you for your time. Do you want to let the one or two good listeners who don't know who you are or where they can find you, do you want to give them out some links? Sure. Uh, but before I do that, I want to tell everybody to go to Patreon and support Bart's show. If you go to uh, Let's Dash Talk, you can find some big green buttons and they will take you in there and you can support them like I do. So uh, do like me and be a hero and uh, and help support Bart's efforts to keep this going. And then to plug my own stuff, uh, podfeed.com is my website. I do a flagship show called No Silicast. And uh, on that, every other week, Bart is on there doing security bits for a, a good long time. And that's one of the best things about the No Silicast. So you should all go check that out. And of course, programming by stealth which is with Bart and me, where Bart is teaching us to program in an audio podcast, which sounds ridiculous, but it actually works. <laughs> it shouldn't, but it does. And it's good fun. We're at episode, what are we at? 132, I think we've done. Or am I, I working on yeah, episode yeah, yeah. 132? Can't remember. No, it might one. be 133. I think I'm working on 133. I think we've recorded 132. Yeah, so th- right, that's kind right, of right. amazing that we have a bi-weekly, uh, yeah, a bi-weekly show about programming in audio. And it's we've made it to episode 100 and something. We're okay, well, Alison has saved me having to tell you to go to less-talk.ie to click on the support the show button. So instead, I will say thank you to everyone who has ever supported the show in any way in the last 100 episodes. 
this has always been an ad-free show, and it is entirely 100% because of you guys. You all rock, and I really appreciate it. I've been Bart Bouchot, so you can find me at bartb.ie, and until next time for episode 101, happy computing! You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go? Wait. Go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.